We're concluding our series today on critical conversations you need to have with your kids. And uh, today I want to talk really specifically about uh, how do you handle bullying? How do you handle harassment? What does God's Word have to say about that? Uh, how many of you, when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, maybe even as an adult, were... Uh, experience some kind of bullying or harassment from somebody else. Yeah, I think all of us probably can remember a time when, when somebody was putting us down, somebody was haranguing on us for whatever reason, for a number of reasons. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that happens a lot, whether it's on the sports field, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, sometimes even the home. You can, you can be a, a subject of bullying or harassment or whatever. And so that's what we're going to look at today. What does God's Word say about bullying and about harassment? Um, you know, everything in this world is broken by sin. It impacts everything about our world. It impacts all of our relationships. And God tells us then that we're not to be surprised when, when people are mean to us or pushy or angry or controlling or manipulative. He says you can expect this to happen. And in fact, Jesus warned us that opposition and, and harassment in life is going to happen. Look with me in, at the very first verse there that's listed in your outline. Uh, John 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Uh, Jesus is saying, folks, you and I are going to have troubles in life. Um, we're going to experience difficulties. You're going, to, you're going to experience harassment in life. But look what he says. Take heart because I've overcome the world. You know, the Bible is very plain to, to point out to us that as time passes, as history moves along, this world is going to get worse and not better. There's going to be more meanness and less kindness in the world in which we live. Jesus says things are going to get worse. They're not going to get better. People will actually become more uncivil, more unkind, more rude, more mean. You agree with that? We see that everywhere we look, don't we? When God's Word tells us this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this is Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says this. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Boy, doesn't that sound like today's world in which we live? Because civilization is losing its civility. A step at a time. Every single day you see that. And so we're getting more rude and not as loving. We're, we're getting more unkind, and it's certainly not getting any kinder. 
So let's look at bullying, and, and let me give you just a kind of a, a definition of what bullying really means. A bullying is any kind of unwanted, aggressive behavior when a person or a group tries to um, exert power over somebody else. That, that's bullying, and, and bullying can take many different forms. It can be everything from making threats to spreading rumors to... Um, uh, physical abuse or verbal abuse. It can be everything from harassing or even excluding somebody on purpose from your group. That's bullying. But here's the thing. Bullying today doesn't just happen in person, does it? I mean, with, with texting and social media and being connected to one another through, uh, you know, through video games and all that, cyber bullies and cyber bullying take place everywhere. Uh, you know, in, in previous generations, it was nothing. If you were being bullied on the playground, you could just walk away. But now bullying can follow you 24 hours a day through your computer, through your phone, all those kinds of things because of technology. So why do people get harassed and bullied? Why does that happen? Well, you can get bullied for your appearance. Somebody doesn't like the way you look. And so they'll bully you. Uh, you can be bullied because of your abilities or maybe because of your disabilities. Uh, you can be bullied for your accent. Somebody don't, doesn't like the way you talk. Um, you can be bullied for your race, for your ethnicity. You can be bullied because you're rich or because you're poor or, or whatever. Uh, you can be bullied for your gender. And, of course, you can be bullied for your faith. You can be bullied because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, that last category of being harassed or being bullied because you're a follower of Jesus Christ is something that's been around for 2,000 years now. Uh, there's been, but really, if you think about it, 2,000 years, but in the last, what, 20, 30 years, that has gotten much more accelerated we mentioned this several weeks ago, the, the fact that the, the, around the world, Christians are being persecuted more and more and more. In fact, um, World Watch List has put out the fact that there are probably 150 countries in the world that severely persecute Christians, places where Christians are severely persecuted. Uh, let me give you some recent statistics. In the 50 worst countries on persecuting Christians, there are about 245 million Christians live in those countries. What that means is that any one of those 245 million could at any moment suffer uh, discrimination, interrogation, arrest, imprisonment, refugee camps, torture, and even death. Uh, folks, that's a quarter of a billion people who suffer under persecution in our day and time. Do you realize that in today's world, one in nine Christians suffer persecution worldwide. Uh, you know, chances are, if I were to ask you, what is the most persecuted group in the world, you'd probably have given me the wrong answer. The right answer is Christians. Christians are persecuted all around the world on a daily basis. Uh, and maybe you're surprised because, folks, that fact is the most ignored, the most overlooked, and the most unreported news item 
that's happening in our world today. People are not going to tell you about that. Uh, there's a society called the International Society for Human Rights. It's not a Christian organization. It's a secular organization. I read a report from them, and, and this was dated 2019, but I'm sure the statistics are, are still uh, as accurate as that. But they said this, that 80% of all religious freedom violations in the world are directed against Christians. So that's just one kind of harassment. That's just one kind of, of, of bullying that's going on in the world. But it's real and it's painful for those who are a part of it. Look what uh, Jesus said in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 19. He says, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember when I told you a slave is not greater than the master? Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. You and I need to remember, folks, that the world crucified Jesus. I mean, he was perfect. He never did anything wrong. He never harmed anybody. And yet they crucified him. And they would do that today if Jesus was here. That's the way in which our world lives. The fact of the matter is that evil people want to attack Christianity. You know, they won't attack Christ, but they certainly will attack us as his followers. Now, I know what you're thinking. We're talking about harassment and bullying, and you're saying, but, but Sam, you know, the people that bully me at work, the people that are bullying me at school, uh, they don't even know I'm a Christian. So, so how does this really apply to that? Well, they may not know that you're a Christian, but Satan knows you're a Christian. And, and Satan knows that you love God. Satan knows that you're a child of God. And um, so he's targeted you. Hey, Satan doesn't care the reason or why they're, they're, they're persecuting you or bullying you or harassing you, uh, whether it's your age or your gender or, or the way you look or whatever like that. He just wants you to be miserable because you're a child of God. And uh, you're the enemy. And he has lost you to Jesus Christ. And so he wants to hurt you. Um, think about it. How does God then want me to respond? to those bullies, to those cyber bullies, to the harassers at work or at school or in our society and, and, and so forth. How are we to respond to that? Well, I want us to look this morning at seven ways that we should respond to bullying and, and harassment in, in our life. And I think the first one is maybe the most important one. Well, I think a lot of them are good. But this first one is very important because I've already hinted at it. And that is you and I need to recognize the source behind the bully. Recognize the source behind the bully. See, the bully is not your real problem. The real problem is the source behind that bully. And it's a spiritual force called evil. Uh, the bully is just being used by Satan. Um, all evil, all meanness, all hatred comes from Satan. <clears throat> and so the people, um, they don't even realize they're being used as a pawn or as a, as a tool in the hands of Satan because they're spiritually blind. Uh, God's Word tells us this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says this, 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So do you hear that? The, the, the bully is not the problem. They're just being used. We're not fighting against human beings. Uh, we're fighting against spiritual forces. The fact of the matter is that Satan can use anybody for his purposes in any way when they do not have a relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, and Satan wants to hurt God, but Satan can't hurt God. So what does he go after? He goes after God's children. You know, if you want to hurt a parent, go after their children, right? That's what Satan is doing to God's children. He wants to get at God, so he comes against us. So there's a, there's a spiritual force behind persecution and bullying that we need to be aware of. That's why prayer is so important. When you're facing bullying and harassment, prayer becomes a great tool that you need to use because that's where you, that's where you battle on the spiritual plane. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood, human beings. We're fighting against unseen forces in the spirit world. And so uh, we don't have the, the power maybe to stop the bullying, but God does. And that's why prayer is such an important part of it. So the first thing you've got to do is recognize the source of the bullying. And that is Satan himself. All right, second thing, second antidote is to remember who you are. Remember who you are. You know, in other words, what's your identity? And as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to recognize that we are a daughter. We are a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're part of God's family. We were created by God. God loves us. God has a, has a, a plan for our life. He has a purpose for our life. And so we need to remember who we are, that we are a child of God. Now, why is that important? Let me tell you why it's important. You see, because bullies can smell weakness and insecurity and low self-esteem a mile away. And that's who they prey on. That's who they target. You, you'll never find bullies going after people who are confident, who are self-assured, self people who are courageous. No, they always look for somebody who's... Uh, exhibiting some weakness, who's feeling down, unaccepted, uh, weak, unsure. They want to pick off people at their most vulnerable moments. And so we need to remind ourselves, I belong to the king. I'm a child of the king. That's why it's so important for us to keep in mind who we are in Jesus Christ. We need to recognize, I belong to God. You're his. I'm his. And, and folks, if we don't settle that issue in our minds or in our hearts, then we're going to be easy pickings for Satan and, and, his, and his bullies. Um, then you're going to be pressured at work. You're going to give in to peer pressure. You're going to give in to all sorts of things because you've forgotten your identity in Jesus Christ. Folks, you are not who other people say you are. You're not even who you think you are. You are who God says you are. And God speaks truth, and the truth sets you free. Uh, the truth gives us confidence. It, gives, it makes us bold. It makes us courageous. Look what uh, 1 John 4, 4 says. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Did you catch that? 
We have overcome the world. Why have we overcome the world? Because the one living in us, God through the power of His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, is greater than the spirit of Satan in the world. Uh, Think about that. Remember, who's greater? Satan, you know, may be trying to take you down, but who's greater in your life? It's God through the Holy Spirit in your life. So you and I need to remember our identity. David said this in Psalm 56, beginning at verse 3. He says, but when I am afraid, and he's praying to God, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? That's a verse or verses that you ought to memorize. You ought to get you some three by five cards and write down some of these great promises about who you are in Jesus Christ and and commit them to memory. Memorize them so that when somebody starts haranguing you, somebody starts harassing you, you can remind yourself of those promises that God says. Because it doesn't matter what the bully says. The bully may say to you, man, you're worthless. You are no good. Well, they're wrong. They're liars. And Satan is the father of lies. The reality is you belong to God. You're a child of God. So we need to know the source of our harassment, and then we need to make sure we know who we are. And parents, grandparents, this is one thing that you really need to teach your children. Teach your grandchildren that they know who they are as a follower of Jesus Christ. That they're a child of Lord God Almighty. And Satan can't touch them. Third thing, a step we need to take when we're being subjected to harassment, to bullying, is that is to refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. You see, when you're hit with a bully or a harasser, uh, we need to refuse to retaliate. Because if you don't refuse to retaliate, then you're going to mess up what God has in mind, what God's plan is. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 19. God's word says this, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. See, the world in which we live, the world in which our kids live, would say, no, it's the right thing. Get even, pay back, get revenge. But here's God saying, no, do whatever is necessary to live at peace with all people. Um, there's a couple of things about these verses here in, in Romans chapter 12 that I want to look at. First of all, it says, do everything you can to live in peace with others. One translation says, do as much as possible with you. As, do as much as it's possible with you. You know, in other words, it's saying do whatever it takes to get along with, with people as much as you're able to. And when it says as much as you're able to, that recognizes the fact that there's going to be some people in our life that no matter what you try, no matter how hard you reach out to them, they're just not going to respond to you. They're just going to be unpleasable. They're going to always be angry at you. They're always going to be putting you down. Uh, He says it 
as much as is possible on your side, be at peace with them. And that's just admitting that there's some people in life that maybe you're never going to get along with. And you know what you need to do? You need to walk away. You need to just ignore them. It doesn't mean you be rude to them. It doesn't mean that you, you lamb blast them. But you just stay away from them. Because it, whatever you do, it's not going to be enough. And so some of those people you just need to walk away from. Now, I know what you're saying. But they hurt me. They, they've harassed me. I want to show them up. I want to get even with them. Um, folks, instead of trying to get even... Why not ask, give them forgiveness and then walk away? You see, here's the deal. What a bully wants to do is they want to always be superior to you. And so they do something to bully you so that they're superior. And you say, I got to get even. So you do something so that you can be even with them. And then what do they do? They do something so they can be superior. If you forgive them, and then walk away. That makes you superior forever. And that's what you want. You want to be superior in a position where God can bless you and where you're superior to their, to their antics. You see, bullies want to always get you on the hook. Uh, they want to hook you into a fight. Um, you see that on the internet all the time. There's trolls out there on the internet just waiting to get into an argument. Uh, and why are they doing that? Because they want to get attention. And when a, what a bully cannot stand is for you to ignore them. Because they're wanting attention. They're starving for attention. And, and when you walk away, when you ignore them, you diffuse them. You, you make them, uh, you know, you, you render them weak or powerless. So don't engage them because they're just wanting to hook you into an argument. These verses from Romans chapter 12 really point out that God gives us a choice. Uh, you can either seek revenge for yourself or you can depend on God to do the revenging for you. Um, you know, because God says it's your choice. He says, hey, you want to go ahead? Just be my guest. Seek revenge all you want. Or God says, you know what? You can hold back. You can trust in me and depend on me to, to avenge you in this situation. Now, who do you think can do a better job? Who has the better resources to bring that person down a notch or two that's been annoying to you, that's been harassing you? Don't you think God has a better ability to do that than you do? So let it go. Refuse to retaliate. Number four, then respond positively. Respond positively. Uh, you know, what do I do instead of seeking revenge? Respond positively. This is a faith step. Um, how do you do that? Look at Romans 12 and verse 21. <clears throat> he says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's how to be positive. Folks, you don't overcome evil with more evil. You don't fight darkness with darkness. No, you fight darkness with light. You fight hatred with love. You fight unkindness with kindness. You don't be overcome by evil, but you overcome evil with good. Look at this next verse. It gets even more specific. And Jesus speaking in Matthew 5, verse 44 says, But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, 
Is that an easy thing to do? No, it's not. Is it an unusual thing? Yeah, it really is. Is it a choice? Yes, it's a choice. And you can choose. Why do you want to do that? Because I want to be better than the bully in my life. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to show love to them. I'm not going to be as bad as they are. I'm, going to, going to, I'm not going to try to equal them. But I am not, and I'm not going to return evil for evil, but rather I'm going to return evil for good. Um, or good for evil, however you want to put that, okay? But here's a warning. Let me, just, let me just give you this up front. Folks, the more positive you are, the more it is that negative people in this world will hate you and despise you. The more positive you are, the more they're going to dislike you. I mean, think about it. Jesus was the most positive person who ever lived, and they nailed him to a cross. When you're being positive... It just grates on a negative person. They can't stand it that you're positive, that you're a person of faith, that, that you're a person of love. So, but you respond positively anyway. Now, how do, you, how do you go about doing that? How do you return good for evil? <clears throat> well, that's number five. And that is you just need to refocus on what God says. Refocus on what God says. Refocus on what God says about what is it that bullying and harassment really mean. Um, what does that opposition, what does that persecution in your life really mean? Well, look at this in 1 Peter 4 and verse 14. God's Word says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Now, why are we blessed? For the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. See, what this verse is telling me is that when I am harassed, that means that the Spirit of God in me is shining forth and is being seen by other people. The reason they're harassing me is because the Spirit of God is seen in me. Uh, the Bible is very plain that all who live godly lives will suffer persecution. And you know what? <clears throat> if I don't have any persecution in my life, if I don't have any harassment in my life, then I wonder if I'm really living a godly life. Because if I'm living for Christ, it should be seen. And when it's seen, it, does, it, it causes people to, to dislike me, to hate me, or whatever. Um, so the real question is, are people really, do they really know that I'm a Christian? Is it showing forth through my life? That's what this verse is talking about. And if people react to Christ in your life, it means that God's Spirit is seen in you. And that's a good thing, okay? So God's Spirit can be seen in me, can be seen in you. Let me tell you another thing what this means. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, it says that the apostles left the high council. That was the Sanhedrin. They had been on, kind of on trial for their faith. <clears throat> it says the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Um, so the second thing the Bible says when I'm harassed, when I'm bullied, when I'm put down, when I'm, when I'm opposed, it means that God can trust me. Did you catch that? Notice the, the apostles were full of joy that God had considered them worthy. God had said, they can handle this. I trust them in the midst of persecution. And so God is never going to put more on you than he will put in you to be able to bear up under the, the persecution that's going on. Because the fact of the matter is, he's growing our character. 
And what that means is that God can trust you. He knows that you're growing and you're coming more and more uh, like His Son, Jesus Christ. And if God can't trust you, well, then maybe you're a baby, a spiritual baby. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Here's the third thing that that I'm talking about here. Not only does it mean that God's Spirit is in me, and, and people can see God's Spirit in me, not only does it mean that God trusts me in the midst of my suffering, but it also means that God is going to bless me. You see, Paul is saying here, that God is going to give you His richest blessings forever and forever and forever because of the trials that you're going through, because of the tribulation, because of the bullying that you have stood up to. God's going to bless me. You know, over and over in this book, it makes the very simple point that the trials and the difficulties that we're going through in this life are only temporary. Folks, these things are not going to last long in the grand scheme of things. And and, and so we need to realize while the pain is temporary, boy, the payoff is going to be forever. And so which which do you really want? A little bit of pain now and eternal glory forever? Or would you rather have have no pain and, you know, whatever? So we've got to maintain an eternal perspective on all that we're going through when we deal with the bullies of life. That really leads to the next point. And if we're going to have an eternal perspective, then we need to remember our reward. Remember your reward. One of the uh, (coughs) most beautiful passages that's found in the New Testament is found within the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the Beatitudes, those uh, eight guidelines that give to us how that lead to God's blessedness or God's happiness in our life. And the eighth Beatitude says this, Matthew 5, beginning at verse 11, says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the very same way. So when you re- respond correctly to the bullies, to the harassers, to the, the oppression in your life, God says, man, you're right up there with all the prophets of the Bible. You're on a league with them. He says, great is your reward in heaven because in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. I mean, you're in good company, folks. You're, you're in God's hall of fame, you might, might say here. And you need to teach this to your kids, to your grandkids, that, that when they're being harassed for their faith, because maybe they don't take drugs, or they don't want to go out and get drunk, or they, want to, they don't want to go out and have sex indiscriminately with, with everybody, this verse is saying, great is your reward because you're just like those men and women in the Bible that were persecuted and stood up. You're in great company here. Romans 8 verse 17 says, And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share His glory, we must also share His suffering. You see that word glory there? That we share His glory? Uh, 
this is an amazing promise. Because Paul says, if we share in Christ's suffering, uh, did Christ suffer on this earth? Yeah, for sure. Did Was he harassed here on this earth? Yeah. Was he bullied? Yes. Was he opposed? Most definitely. Was he criticized? Of course he was. Were there people who tried to take advantage of him? You better believe it. Uh, were there people who plotted against him? Yes, that's true also. And folks, there are going to be people like that in your office, at, at your work site, in your school or whatever. But it also says, since we are God's children, if we share Christ's suffering, you know, the same things that Jesus went through, we will also share his glory. Also share his glory. Do you realize what that means? You're going to share God's glory for all of eternity. You're going to share God's glory in heaven forever and forever and forever because you put up with harassment, because you put up with bullying, because you, you, you know, all those put downs for your faith, because you stood tall for integrity and, and for humility and for generosity. Now, what does it mean to share God's glory in heaven? Well, I don't know if I could, could fully explain what it means to, uh, to share God's glory, but let me give you an analogy that maybe will help us to maybe grasp some of that. Imagine uh, a huge movie marquee, you know, the kind where they advertise the, the movie that's coming. And let's say on one half of that marquee it says, coming, or excuse me, it, it says, starring Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And right next to that, it's going to say, co-starring for all of eternity, your name. That's what it means to share in God's glory. For all of eternity, you're, you're with him. Folks, that's going to be worth it. You're going to share God's glory forever and forever because you put up with all the stuff that's going on in this world. The last thing I want to remind you of, the last step, how do you handle the bullying, the harassment that's all around you? Remain faithful. Remain faithful. In other words, just keep doing the right thing. Uh, you don't need anybody else's approval to be happy. You don't need their opinions. You don't need their cliques. You don't need to hang around the popular people. You just keep doing the right thing. Keep persevering in doing what's right. Here's a secret that you can hold on to, folks. They may laugh at you, but they can't stop you. Um, they have no ability to stop you from believing and from acting and from doing the right thing. Yeah, they can laugh at you, but they can't stop you. Peter, writing to a church that was under persecution, that was under bullying and harassment, said this in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, Keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Now, look at this verse. I want you to look real carefully at this, because some people think this. Well, I'm suffering. That means I must be sinning. No, 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 no. Okay. Do you realize that some suffering is the will of God for our life? Hey, look at right there. Suffering in a manner that pleases God. The, the New International Version says, suffering according to God's will. Folks, there are some brands of Christianity 
that, that say, you know what, if you've ever been sick, if you've ever suffered, then you must be outside of God's will. This verse disproves that. Um, you know, the Bible says that sometimes we're going to suffer according to the will of God. Sometimes when you're ill, God, that's a part of God's will for your life. Sometimes when, when you're suffering, it's God's will that you have problems. Why is that so? Because he is more interested in your character development than in your comfort. Uh, he is more interested in you growing to become like Jesus Christ than you having an easy life. And so recognize, he says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, so what do we then do with the bullies that are out there? Here's what it says. We should keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. Now, what does that mean? Be faithful. Remain faithful. Commit yourself to the God who created you. Why can we do that? Look, because he will never fail you. Let me ask you a personal question. What is it that will stop you from doing right? Um, some person makes a comment. You know, what is it going to, what will it take to stop you from living for Christ? Are you afraid of a smirk or of a smile or a laugh or a giggle or something like that? What does it take to stop you, say, from praying in public? What would other people think? Why does it matter what other people think? You're living to please God. See, God is looking for people that can't be stopped. They can't be stopped by the bullying. They can't be stopped by the harassment, by the intimidation of others. They can't be stopped by political correctness, not by peer pressure. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. One translation says, everyone who wants to live as God desires in Christ Jesus will be hurt. You know, if you choose not to go along with the crowd, or with uh, the crowd at school, or the crowd at work, or the crowd anywhere else, folks, you can expect to be harassed. You can expect to be bullied. Um, you can expect that. That's going to be that. When, when a teenager says, I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ, and they refuse to, to take drugs, or they refuse to go drinking, or they refuse to engage in, in sex before a, a marriage commitment, they're going to be harassed. The truth is, that's in the adult world as well. When we take a stand for Jesus Christ, we can expect people to bully and harass us. We're going, to be, we're going to go through that because we're standing for Jesus Christ. You can count on that, folks. It's going to happen. So let me ask a question then. When you're being persecuted and harassed and, and being put down, is it worth it? Um, you know, is the result of all that harassment worth it? It's not even a question we should ask. Yes, it is worth it. There's no doubt about it. It's worth it. Years ago, President Woodrow Wilson said this. He said, I'd rather temporarily lose with a cause that will ultimately succeed than temporarily succeed with a cause that will ultimately fail. You know, people might harangue you saying, hey, buddy, you're on the wrong side of this issue in society. Folks, it doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter that you're on the, the right side of popular opinion. What matters is, are you, on, are you on the right side of eternity? 
I'd rather temporarily lose for a cause that will ultimately succeed than succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. So let me ask, just let's get even more personal. If you were to wake up tomorrow and suddenly it became illegal in the United States of America to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what would you do? And would there be enough evidence in your life to bring a conviction against you? You see, when people around us put down Christians, when they talk ugly about the church and about things of faith and about all the, the, the things that churches stand for, do you just wimp out and say nothing at all? I mean, are, are you a, an Arctic River Christian, you know, frozen at the mouth? Is that who you are? When people are insulting Christian brothers and sisters, do you stand up for them or do you just shut your mouth? What is your faith costing you? You know, in much of the world, it's costing people greatly to stand for Jesus Christ. We have it so easy here, folks. We don't have persecution. We don't have harassment. Uh, you know, we may, people may make snide comments and so forth like that. Uh, we've got political correctness and, you know, you shouldn't say this and do that and so forth. But we don't have it like it in the rest of the world. We don't have any places like Nigeria where Christians are dying for their, for their faith. The fact of the matter is you're really not ready to live until you've decided what, what you're going to die for. Jesus said there's a price to be paid for following Him. And nowhere in Scripture does, does God say that we're guaranteed to be popular in this, in this world. No, He says people are not going to like you for standing up for what's right, for standing up for the, for the kingdom of God in this world. Jim Elliott, the missionary who died at the hands of the Aka Indians, said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. Let me end with just two statements from Jesus. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Jesus says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message... In these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when He returns in the glory of His Father with His holy angels. Folks, that's a frightening statement. That's a sobering statement. Do I want Jesus to be ashamed of me because I wouldn't speak up? And then Matthew 10, 32. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. I want that to be true of me. I want that to be true of you. God is looking for men and women of courage, men and women and young people of courage who aren't afraid to publicly identify as a believer in, in Jesus Christ, whether they're at school or on the job or in the office or at the mine site or on the, on the soccer field, whatever, who aren't a, afraid to publicly identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to urge you, take a risk for Jesus this week. Have the courage to let people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't be bullied anymore. Don't let them harass you. I mean, what is the risk that you're going to take this week to stand for Jesus Christ where you find yourself? Maybe 
Maybe you need to start something so simple as as a family, as a couple, as an individual, pausing in a public restaurant and saying thanks for your meal. And nobody's going to throw you out of a restaurant for doing that. But you're taking a stand to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to take your Bible and put it on your workbench at work or, or on your desk or on your school desk to let people know, I belong to Jesus Christ. Maybe you could do that. What is the public stand that you need to take? Maybe for somebody here right now, you need to say, you know what, I need to take a public stand and I need to be baptized. That's the first public stand that a person makes to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. I had a young, uh, young boy in my office just uh, last week, and I said, why do you want to be baptized? You know what he said? Because I want people to know I'm following Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is all about. One more thing. Go to your text list. Go to your inbox and pick one non-believing friend, one friend of yours who's not a Christian, and just simply text him and say, Friend, I'm praying for you this week. That's all you do. I've never had anybody say, oh, Don't pray for me. That's the end of our friendship. That's not going to happen. But take a stand to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm praying for you this week. That, that you will take these seven steps and that you will begin to build into your life the courage and the backbone and, and the integrity and a willingness to stand in this world because, folks, it's getting darker and darker. My prayer is that, that we would be people of kindness in this unkind world, people of love in this, in this unloving world, people of integrity in a world that is so filled with, with dishonesty and de- deceit and deception. Every, everywhere you look, may we stand firm and may we speak the truth, knowing, folks, knowing that there is a great reward that awaits us because we stood firm. Let's pray. Father, I I want to thank you that you've given us this promise that blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil uh, against you falsely for my sake. Father, you've told us that we're to rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is our reward in heaven. And so we look forward to that reward. I just pray for every person hearing my voice who's been bullied and harassed for whatever, whatever reason. I pray that they will stand firm and that, they, that you will find them trustworthy, that your spirit can be seen living in their life. Lord, we don't want to be weak followers of you. We want to be strong men and women of God, strong youth, strong children. We don't want to wimp out. We don't want to let society or, or bullies or anyone else determine what we believe or how we act. Or what we feel. We want to stand for you. And for what's right. In these days. In your name we pray. Amen.